245 years ago, the Second Continental Congress ratified, signed the Declaration of Independence. That's why we have what we call the birthday of America, the 4th of July. Independence Day is about freedom. When you, when you mention freedom, um, if, you're, if you're inside the church, like the, the first song we sang, freedom is about deliverance of sin. And the, uh, the new life we have in Christ being free from, from the penalty and the bondage of sin. But freedom outside of the church generally is associated with um, our, our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, all of those things that we hold very dear to us uh, because we live in America. Almost everybody agrees that along with freedom comes responsibility. This principle applies whether we're talking about biblical freedom or the freedoms given to us through the Constitution. Today I want to talk about using our freedoms for God's intended purposes. Freedom is not a license to do whatever we want to do. That's just not, that's just not possible. There, have to be, there has to be some responsibility with exercising our freedom. Last February, I did a short devotional on this around a campfire in the desert. I really had a hard time giving this message. Um, it, it was a very short talk. I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to give it. And I, and I kind of figured out the reason I was pushing back so hard was because my life did not line up with what God's Word said. Um, since then, God has shown me I had a lot more to learn. Um, along with me, I've been observing uh, many other Christians struggling with the same issues. It kind of boils down to this. Our culture of independence living in America has blinded us in some aspects of our behavior. We are a fiercely independent nation, and I am fiercely independent. And that has influenced my behavior to my detriment or to in opposition to what God's Word says. We've been challenged and influenced by several recent events. COVID and all of its restrictions, a hotly contested national election, and the confusion from leaders facing a previously unknown virus. It, it has added a lot of confusion and uh, it has really challenged our how God wants us to live in terms of everyday living and what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Today, what I want to do today is to challenge you to examine your speech, your actions, and ultimately your attitudes 
towards those in authority over you. Now, you, you might be sitting there thinking, is this really that important? Well, God thought so. After Jesus um, answered the disciples and told them to give to Caesar what belonged to Caesar, four times in the New Testament, this uh, general theme of submitting to authorities is repeated. When something is repeated, it's generally considered important. And four times, it's, it's repeated at least four times in the New Testament, four times that I know about. Um, the, we're going to look at two passages uh, of the four, two of the main passages, one in Romans and one in First Peter. Um, the First Peter, we've been going through First Peter, Brandon's been, uh, been preaching through First Peter, so it's going to be kind of like a part two uh, of what Brandon talked about um, <clears throat> in Second Peter chapter 2. Is this really needed? Do we really need to talk about this? It was in my life. It was really needed in my life. And I, I, have since, I have since observed that I'm not alone. Um, and to kind of illustrate this, I'm going to do something that I really haven't done before, so hopefully I can pull this off. But I have divided the message up in, in three groups. Three groups of statements that I've heard Christians make in the, in the course of my wanderings which tend to contradict or go against what God's Word says. Um, that's not to say that I didn't agree with them when I heard the statements being mentioned. Um, I probably did. Um, and while I may not have, have said that, while I may not have said the statements, um, I probably uh, agreed with them. So, let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray, um, and then we'll get started. <clears throat> Our great God and Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this great country. Lord, what a privilege it is to live with the freedoms that we have in this country. I just, I just can't hardly imagine living, living in other countries that don't have the freedoms that this country has given us. Father, I pray that because we have these freedoms, we would use them in accordance with your word and that we would use them to further your purposes your gospel, um, your kingdom. Father, as we look at these, these passages today, I pray that you would, um, you would give us understanding. You would help us to, um, to look at our own lives and make changes where changes need to be made. Father, I pray that uh, the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray this because of Jesus. 
Amen. Okay, right off the bat, I'm going to give you a disclaimer. Um, in your bulletin, I failed to give Chris the scriptures for today. Um, so you're going to have to you're going to pull a pen out in front of the pew and write them down because I I blew that. I forgot to give them to her. There are some there are some questions on the back side. I did remember that part, but uh, but I didn't remember to to write down the the scriptures for her. So our first passage comes out of Romans chapter 13. Starting starting at verses 1 and we'll read through verse 7. As soon as I get the page to turn here. <clears throat> I'll I'll go ahead and read it. <clears throat> Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good, but if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes too, for these same reasons, for government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. <clears throat> the first statement that I've heard made, um, and it's, it, it was made a long time ago, um, but, but repeated with some frequency, and you have to fill in the blank. Blank is not my president, which generally implies I voted for the other guy, and I wasn't in favor of whoever won the election. First, we need to, to look at a little background information. Um, in Peter and Paul's day, they didn't do elections. Um, politics today, even though it is uh, very, it's looked upon with, with some unfavorable light, politics today is mild compared to Peter and Paul's day. Wars were fought, assassinations were common, opposition was eliminated any way that was expedient. Emperors and rulers were by order of succession, meaning you kind of inherited the position. Um, but if you were the number two man on the list and there was somebody else who was the number one, 
if you eliminated the number one, you got the position. So that often happened. One of the first things that you notice from Romans 13 is that God is sovereign. Um, God is the one who puts leaders in their position. In the very first verse, Paul says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. But wait, what about, now you can fill in the blank again, some, some corrupt politician that you know, or, or somebody who, uh, who maybe had to resign because of um, corruption that they were involved in or got caught in. I can't answer that question. I only know that God put that person in authority in that position. And I, and I have to fall back to Isaiah 55, verse 9, which says, As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We see very little of the, of the picture. God sees the whole thing. He's got... He's working on purposes um, and um, actions we don't have a clue about. We, we may, this side of heaven, we may never understand why that person was placed in that position. But it doesn't matter because God placed him there and he's God's servant in that position. We honor God by submitting to those in authority. Now we need to say a little bit about submitting. Submitting is more than just obeying. It's very important. Um, and we will we'll elaborate on this when, when we get a little bit farther along. But to obey is just to do it. Submitting involves an, uh, an attitude of willing compliance. Essentially, submitting is support. That puts, that puts things in a whole different light for me, um, and one that I struggled with for a while. We can obey without submitting. We can't submit without obeying. We're to su submit regardless of whether the individual is worthy of submission. We are to submit regardless of whether the individual is worthy of submission, but rather because by submitting, we honor God. Today, we see individuals as unworthy of our support, so we decide we don't have to submit. Um, for whatever reason, we write them off. Um, they're not worthy of our, they haven't earned our respect, so, so we, don't have to, uh, we don't have to submit to them. But you have to ask this question. 
what's changed in 2,000 years? In Peter and Paul's day, rulers were, were self-serving and at times corrupt. Not much has changed. We have a way, we have a way more say in our leaders today than in Rome in the first century. If it was true in the first century Rome, it is doubly true in America in 2021. God requires us to show respect to our leaders. To not submit risks receiving the punishment of God through his servants. Government is an institution established by God. Someone pointed out that God instituted three things, the family, the church, and government. In all three, people have to be submissive and supportive for the institution to function well. Now, being submissive does not mean being silent. Uh, you may remember Hoyt spoke about this a couple of weeks ago in mentioning John the Baptist. He ended up becoming beheaded because he spoke against Herod. It's okay to speak against things that are not right. We just need to be respectful in doing so. Respect is kind of one of those things that is a double-edged sword. For a person to earn respect, they have to demonstrate character qualities in one's life. It's not automatic. A person isn't automatically respectful. But as Christians, we are to give respect to others, especially those in authority, whether they have earned it or not. So whether the person has earned our respect or not, we are to give it to them. Here's four suggestions about speaking with respect and honor. Don't say anything about someone else you wouldn't say to that person face to face. If you were speaking directly to the governor, would the words change? Secondly, remember to separate the action from the person. It's the old saying of love the sinner, hate the sin. Remember to separate the action from the person. My new, thirdly, my new favorite question is now, why do you think God put them, put, put them in that position? When someone is talking about how they dislike um, someone in authority, how they think that um, they're making all the wrong decisions and um, uh, not showing honor and respect, my new favorite question is, why do you think God put them in that position? And number four, we have a saying in America, which actually goes beyond America, I found out. 
when we want to disagree with someone in authority, we say, we preface our statement with, with all due respect. We must keep this in mind at all times and mean it. With all due respect. Now turn in your Bibles to First uh, Peter chapter 2. Specifically verses 13 through 17. This is very similar to the Romans passage. Um, Peter has a little bit of a different purpose, which we'll see here in a little bit, a little bit of a different purpose in, uh, in his intentions for his listeners, um, but basically says uh, very similar things to what Paul said. Starting at verse 13. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king as head of state or for the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free. Yet you are God's slaves, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. <clears throat> this brings us to the, the second statement that I've heard people make, and 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 maybe hits a little closer to home. I don't need to wear a mask. I got Jesus. Actually, I think we do need to wear the mask. Peter was in a unique position. He knew very well how to disobey government. Um, and, and he knew the right and the wrong way to do it. The wrong way Peter did, you may remember, was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, I think all four Gospels record that uh, <clears throat> Peter, they record that one of Jesus' disciples um, takes action against the high priest's slave when they're there to arrest Jesus. Um, John tells us it's Peter who is uh, uh, taking the action. In John chapter 18, verses 10 and 11, I'll read it here for you. <clears throat> says, Then Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back in its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So, so Peter takes the bull by the horns, if you will. Um, there are a number of questions I have about this whole incident. Probably won't get answered this side of heaven, but you got to kind of wonder, what's a fisherman doing carrying a sword? 
Um, Peter apparently had one. Now, some commentators have said maybe it was more like a dagger than a sword. Um, I'm not sure. And then the second question is, what was Peter really aiming for? I mean, he ends up cutting the guy's ear off, but I'm not sure what he was aiming for. Jesus chastens him for, for doing the wrong thing, for taking on the authorities um, and thereby uh, trying to prevent them from arresting Jesus, which Jesus had full knowledge of the fact that, that this was all part and parcel of God's plan. Well, in, in Acts chapter 4, Peter figures out the right way to oppose government or to oppose those in authority. Um, in Acts chapter 4, in verses 16 through 20, Peter and John are arrested. Uh, <clears throat> They, they meet before the high priest and oops, Acts chapter, did I say Acts chapter 20? Acts chapter 4. Um, they meet before the high priest and um, are commanded by the high priest to um, keep their mouth shut. No more talking about Jesus. We don't want to hear no more about Jesus, and we don't want you telling anybody about Jesus. Um, in Acts chapter 4, verses 16 through 20, the, um, the, the high priest and the um, officials asked themselves, what should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miracle, miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. They were commanded to quit talking about Jesus. Later, they were flogged and whipped because they disobeyed the authorities. If we're going to disobey the authorities, we must bear the consequences, whatever they may be, jail, fines, even death. This is key, though. Every act of disobeying civil authorities in the New Testament was because it made it illegal to obey God. Every act of disobeying civil authorities in the New Testament was because it made it illegal to obey God. It was mandated, not just allowed. Our country is just like Rome was. It allows its citizens to violate God's commands all the time, everywhere. a lot of moral issues are fall into that category. Essentially, 
oh, excuse me, occasionally our country mandates something that makes it illegal to obey God. Every now and then, something pops up which makes it illegal to obey God. Not assembling together and singing rose to that level. Mass, not so much. COVID mandates have been met by churches in a variety of ways. From total non-compliance to compliance and everything in between. Peter has one overarching concern on why we should submit. It's our testimony to the world. Our, not, our lives need to reflect that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. In Peter's day, Nero was the emperor. To say that Nero was not a guy, nice guy would be a gross understatement. Um, you were almost better off to be an enemy of Nero than a relative, especially one who threatened his position on the throne. When Nero's wife and even his mother got in his way, he had him executed. Not a nice guy. It's hard to know just to what extent Nero persecuted Christians. Historians differ as to the origin of the persecution. Um, it's not like, I, I, did, I did a fair amount of reading about Nero, and it's, it's not like reading the Bible. Um, the historians don't agree all the time about, about how the persecution originated. There was persecution for sure, but whether it originated with Nero or not is kind of debatable. And it may take us getting to heaven to find out those answers. But Rome, in general, disliked Christianity. That's, that's always been kind of a question in my mind. Why? Rome was kind of a place where anything goes. Why did Rome have such a hard time with Christianity? Why, why persecute Christians? I mean, if you're, if you're willing to live and let live and, and, and everything bygones be God bygones and everybody do their own thing, why did they have such a hard time with Christianity? Well, one reason was because they saw Christianity as a threat to their gods. They believed that when things were going good, it was because their gods were smiling at them with favor. When things were going bad, this, the reverse is true. The gods were unfavorable towards them. One of the things that they felt like that made unfavorable gods was competition. Christianity and their one single God was competition to all of Rome's gods. So things go bad. We need, we need somebody to blame for this. Christians became the convenient uh, whipping boy, if you will. They, they became a, a convenient uh, place to uh, um, accuse people for their 
their disfavorable circumstances. Peter, while all this is going on, Peter is very concerned about the testimony of Christians. When, um, when, when Christians fell into, um, when they were accused and stuff like that, they were made criminals of the state. Um, and, and Peter is very concerned about the testimony of Christians. Let me just read a number of, of things in 1 Peter and, and hear, how, hear how Peter repeats himself over and over again and expresses his concern about the Christian's testimony in their world. So, Second uh, Peter, verse 12. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Drop down to verse 15 and 16 of chapter 2. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Verses 19 and through 21 of that same chapter. For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. And then chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing good, for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But if you do this in a gentle and respectful way, Keep your conscience clear, but it says, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you, you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Over and over again, Peter is concerned that their, their lives don't void out the Christian message. He wants them to make sure that the reason they are suffering is because of unjust and ill-founded accusations, not something that was based uh, for on, on doing something that was wrong. I find the same is true today. Years ago, we had a we had a Bible study, and a a, a more mature woman, um, widow, held it at her house, and and I'll I'll never forget this. 
she was telling the group that she had invited her granddaughter to come to church. Her granddaughter was, was uh, past college age, I think, but her granddaughter refused. Her granddaughter said, I'm not going to go to church. That's, they're, they're, nothing but, they're nothing but full of hypocrites. And grandma said to the granddaughter, well, I'm not a hypocrite. Do you think of me that way? No, you're the exception. We need to make sure that we are not being accused of something that's true. They need to be unfounded accusations, uh, if, if any accusations at all. We, we must be very careful not to give the world um, fuel for the fire, if you will. We reverence God by honoring the king. Submission demands obedience. I can't come to any other conclusion. What servant ever said to his boss, eh, that just doesn't work for me. That just, doesn't, that just doesn't work. I don't really feel like doing that. No servant ever says that to his boss. We are God's slaves, and we serve God by obeying the people he's placed in authority over us. Whether it's a law in the books or not is not an issue for God. It's all the same. It's submission. The third statement that we, that we get to seeks to align our lives, excuse me, seeks to align God's word with our lives rather than the reverse of that, our lives with God's word. <clears throat> the statement goes something like, well, I respect the office, just not the person in it. If I didn't say this, I probably thought it. It's a convenient way to say, well, I don't really need to respect that person because he's not worthy of respect. It has an element of honor, element of respect and honor, but only for right individuals. Here's why this doesn't work. In Acts chapter 22, Paul is the one who goes before the high priest. Um, he's standing before a, a high priest named Ananias. In Acts chapter 22, the very last verse is verse 30. Turn the page. And it <clears throat> we'll read just a, a few verses here through uh, verse 5 of 23. The next day, the commander ordered the leading priest into a the leading priest into a session with the high priest with the Jewish high council. He wanted to find out what the trouble was all about, so he released Paul to have him stand before him, a trial, if you will. Gazing intently at the high council, Paul began, Brothers, I have always lived before God with a clear conscience. Instantly, Ananias, the high priest, commanded those close to Paul to slap him on the mouth. 
But Paul said to him, God will slap you, you corrupt hypocrite. Um, your versions may read, you whitewashed wall. We'll talk about that in a second. What kind of judge are you to break the law yourself by ordering me struck like that? Those standing near Paul said to him, you, Do you dare to talk to insult God's high priest? I'm sorry, brothers. I didn't realize he was the, the high priest, Paul replied. For the scriptures say, say, you must not speak evil of any of your rulers. Here you have an instance where, where Paul stands and addresses the Sanhedrin with respect, with a view to give them his testimony. The high priest named Ananias, who is not recognized by Paul, has one of, one of the soldiers slap Paul effectively, pronouncing sentence without hearing all the evidence. Before the trial even begins, before the evidence is given, the high priest is pronouncing judgment. He has him uh, slap Paul. This action produces an accusation of hypocrisy towards the high priest. Um, Paul called him a whitewashed wall. And the idea is um, kind of like um, putting a fresh coat of paint on something that's falling apart to give it a good appearance, but it's really only camouflaging the, the actual condition of whatever it is that you're, you're putting paint on. So the idea behind it is hypocrisy. Paul was accusing the high priest of hypocrisy, breaking the law to, by slapping him uh, before Paul even had a chance to, uh, to give his uh, defense. A word about the high priest. It was a political appointment seven years before. Ananias embezzled the tithes and gave bribes to the Romans who had appointed him. He used violence and even assassination to accomplish his goals. Nine years after Paul stood before him, the Jews assassinated him. How much Paul knew about Ananias, we don't know. He may have had an inkling about heard about the high priest, but, but we really don't know that. But here is a person in authority who has not earned respect, and yet a Paul apologizes for a disrespectful but truthful accusation. The high priest was supposed to be a fair and impartial judge, but is handing out punishment even before hearing the evidence. I never really quite saw this in living color until, until this, this time through. It kind of all made sense. I never really understood why Paul apologized to the high priest because the guy was clearly in the wrong. And yet, Paul needed to show him honor and respect because of his position of authority. So 
So in light of all this, what should we do? How do we align our lives with God's word? My first response several months ago was to keep my mouth shut. If you don't, if you don't talk, you're not, you're not saying anything that's not respectful or honorable. So whenever, whenever someone would talk about the political atmosphere, I just didn't say anything. But keeping my mouth shut was just a small part of what is being taught here. What's central to the action of believers is that God is the one who's in charge. We cannot get around that. God is the one who's in charge. If God is the one who's in charge, and everyone from kings on down are his servants, then I'm not complaining about individuals, but I'm complaining against God. If God is the one who's in charge, then why am I violating his laws by routinely setting my cruise control to two miles an hour above the speed limit? This doesn't make sense. If God is the one in charge, then the speed limit is what it is and don't, don't violate it. All those shortcuts that everybody has to face when a rule or a regulation gets in a way, a workaround, if you will, a way around the rule or the regulation, need to stop. I know they're designed for the masses, but I'm not the exception. It all comes down to this. God is asking me to submit to his appointed leaders and the laws and rules they make because he wants us to be model citizens living in a world that is not our home so that others will have no legitimate accusations against his people. Let me repeat that. We're going to end with this. God is asking me to obey and submit to his appointed leaders and the laws and rules they make because he wants us to be model citizens living in a world that is not our home so that others will have no legitimate accusations against his people. That's where I end up with all of this. I had to change my way of thinking, my attitude, if you will, to the fact that God is the one who sets up every leader, every servant. Those are his laws on the books. And I need to not only obey, but to submit. I would... I would ask that you would consider um, those same things. And uh, when we talk about when we talk about political things or rulers or laws or, or whatever they are, that we would remember to speak with with honor and respect towards our leaders. Fear God and honor the king.
Let's close in prayer. Father, this is not an easy thing. We are, we are an independent nation. We do things independently. And yet, you have called us to be dependent upon you, to, be, um, to submit to your authority, your rules, your laws, and those you have appointed. Father, in my life and in, in those peoples who are here, I pray that you would help us to align our lives with your word, to make the changes that need to be made in our lives. Father, I thank you that this is, um, this is something that has impacted my life and will continue to do so. And I ask that you would continue to help me to make the changes I need to make. Bless the rest of our service now, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.